0: This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is U.S. Senate Agriculture Ranking Member, John Bozeman. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Bayer, helping meet the challenges of sustainability to help shape possibilities and our vision of health for all, hunger for none. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Arkansas U.S. Senator John Bozeman next. As a leader in the industry, we at Bayer have the opportunity and responsibility to help address the challenges around sustainability and ensure that we can all thrive while using our planet's resources in a sustainable way. Sustainability is an integral part of our operations, and we believe that farmers and agriculture can be part of the solution to many of the planet's biggest challenges. Whether that's helping growers utilize new technologies to get more out of their land or incentivizing carbon-smart practices such as strip or no-till and planting cover crops, we're committed to innovate, grow, and partner with farmers to help shape what's possible and further our vision of health for all, hunger for none. For more on Bayer's sustainability efforts, visit Bayer.com forward slash EN forward slash sustainability. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. A litany of issues, including the COVID pandemic, adverse weather, labor shortages, and supply chain disruptions have shifted obstacles in the agriculture paradigm. U.S. Senate Ag Ranking Member John Bozeman says the russian ukraine conflict has tilted the balance not only of global food production, but world
1: hunger. Nobody really expected the Ukraine government, the Ukraine people, to stand up the way they did. Our vaunted uh, CIA and intelligence, and these are good folks that work hard, and and, and they are generally right, but they got this very wrong. They told us that... uh, They would be in the in the Russians would be in the capital in four or five days. That hasn't been the case. This is drug on for an extended period of time, which is great. We're trying to give them the the resources so they can not only hold their own, but they can win the war. And that's that's actually doing fairly well. But what's happened as a result of that right now, that the Ukrainians, the Russians should be in the field planning. They're not doing that. They're they're both fighting a war. So the resources, the the diesel, the the machinery, even is being taken to other places, so they're not planting, and so it has changed the world in a sense: 18% of the corn, 30% of the wheat, uh, you know, a good portion of the safflower oil, you know, all of these things that that are so so very important. Not just for that region; these are worldwide numbers. It's, it's, it's you know, it's, it really is remarkable. They truly are the breadbasket uh, of that part of the world. So it's changed. We we need to account for it. We're really trying to figure out what it's going to do to commodity prices in the future. What it's going to do, also the prospect of actually food shortages.
0: There are so many issues for us to talk about right now, mm-hmm. but the one that that stands up so tall. Is the number of countries that were already impoverished, that already had hungry people that get food from that Black Sea region that now are in dire straits. The World Food Program is suggesting they're taking food from the hungry to give to the starving. Right. Is it time for the US? Do we step up? Does the rest of the world step up to try to alleviate this hunger crisis in the, in, in the regions of the globe caused by this.
1: Right. No, I, I think very definitely half of the uh, foodstuff of Africa comes from, from this region of the country. So rather, rather than being reactive as, as things fall apart, I'd like for us to be now putting in the policies to keep that from happening. Okay, we don't do a very good job of that. And as to what that is, I, I'm really not sure. But I think we need to think outside the box, uh, because you've got a situation, not only are we concerned about shortages, but with very, very high commodity prices. Uh, people like the World Food Bank, uh, they've got a finite amount of money, and as, as commodity prices go up, it's not magic. The money doesn't go as far. They can't buy as much. And so that's where... Uh, uh, Secretary Beasley, David Beasley, made the statement about the the hungry to the starving. And that's only exacerbating.
0: There were those calling for an emergency release of land from the conservation reserve program. I've been and, one of in, them. and even then, and yeah. even then I wonder is that quick enough of a response because the people are hungry
1: now. Well, I think the, the problem that we got you know now we're living after on um, last year's crop. So, so we got a problem right now. We don't want to exacerbate that by the fact that this crop is not being planted, uh, you know, in Ukraine and Ukraine and Russia. So we've got to make up for that, and we're having problems of our own right now due to weather. Uh, so we've got drought going on in wheat country. We've got uh, a lot of uh, wetness, and I can speak for Arkansas. We're probably 20, 25 percent uh, under planted. You've got to do something, and, and again, what we don't want to do is the problem be greatly exacerbated next harvest season because we didn't do enough now.
0: I've talked to some farmers who said, why do we want to pull acres out of the CRP? I can't get the inputs I need now to plant the acres that I have Much less add on some additional acres.
1: Well, I think that's, I think that's true. And we're not saying that you have to pull them out of the CRP. Mm -hmm. You know, this is, you know, discretionary depending. One thing I've learned about agriculture is it's not a one size fits all. And certainly there are areas of the country where the weather's perfect and this and that. There's other areas that they're struggling just to make their regular crop, much less make additional. But in the areas where it would work, people that have the resources, uh, then I think we should give them the flexibility to do that. Now, they might not want to do that. That's fine. And certainly we're not in any way hurting the, the CRP program at all. This is just an emergency situation. It's just an effort to, you know, think outside the box. How do you create more pro- crop? Well, you, you know, you have more ground. You know, mm-hmm. to, You plant more. Uh, So that's the effort in that regard.
0: And in one vein, you might suggest that if the U.S. doesn't step up to produce, then perhaps someone else will. Let's circle the wagon here for just a moment and talk about the CRP. Some would suggest the CRP wasn't really anything more in its inception than a supply management tool. Others recognized that these were fragile acres and probably didn't need a crop. So we found a way to recognize the environmental benefit of setting those acres aside, but yet still rewarding the landowner with some amount of funds. Does the CRP keep the same definition today and into the future with the 23 bill?
1: Well, I think it was set up for both reasons that you just mentioned. In the sense, you know, it's a way to idle, you know, decrease production because we were oversupplied. And then also there are you know, set aside ground that really did need to be planted that could be better used uh for conservation. So uh again I think both of those. Uh going forward I would I would advocate now, as I mentioned earlier, you know, to go ahead and plant where you could plant, you know, things like that. Uh as far as looking in the future, I, I'm very much opposed to to 30 by 30 that's the idea you're going to put 30 percent of the land 30 percent of the water in conservation if you did that uh, there's no ifs ands or buts we would produce uh, enough less that we would start using market losing market share i work really hard you know all of us work really hard 40 percent of the product in arkansas is exported you work so hard to get those markets in the old days uh, United States agriculture was agriculture you know that we had competition but we were the big dog. That's not true anymore. there's all kinds of competitors out there. so we don't want to lose market share. I would argue too that if we're not using the land that the Lord has blessed us with that you you're, these other countries, Brazil, uh, Bangladesh, wherever it's at, they simply don't do it in the environmentally sensitive way that we do it nobody works harder than the American farmer to do it in the right way we're the most productive with the least inputs all of those things that we work so so very hard and that's good for the environment so lose market share that wealth is going to go overseas they're going to be cutting down rainforest and everything else you know to, to, to soak that up uh, so from a from a, a standpoint of what's good for for uh, you know, climate and things like that, which is very important, I think it's the worst thing you could do.
0: So I'd like to spend some time in our conversation here ultimately talking about the 23 Farm Bill, but I'd like to introduce something prior to that if I can because, number one, a task of that policy, it's got to be done. But when I talk to input suppliers, retailers, and others, they suggest we could have bigger supply issues for the 23 crop than we've even had here in 22. Can Congress, can your committee, can this administration, what work can be done to try to secure nutrient and input supplies for producers undoubtedly for the 23 crop season?
1: Well, there's a number of different things that we're working on. Dusty Johnson has a good bill. Uh, We have a bill in the Senate, you know, trying to make it such that we can free our ports up to make them more efficient. So we're working that angle. Uh, We are trying to figure out the supply chain. A lot of that is labor-based, and it doesn't matter what industry you're in. So we've got to make it such that we're more efficient with the uh, supply chain. On-time delivery is so efficient prior to the pandemic. I think we need to rethink you know, all of that, not only on time, but, but right-then delivery. Mm-hmm. We don't have warehouses like we used to, to to anticipate some of these things. So I think there's a number of things that we can do, and uh, everybody is working in good, good faith, I think, to figure those out.
0: Some House members say they'd like a little more teeth in the Ocean Shipping Reform Act than is in the Senate passage. Some suggest the best thing to do is put it in the China competes bill and let the conference committee thrash it out. Others say then you're just going to delay the measure. This needs to be done now. What say you?
1: Well, I like the Senate bill better, to be honest, and, and I think it does have enough teeth. What you don't want to do is overregulate. And so there's there's a tendency of government to do that. So let's let's give them more teeth. Uh, on the other hand, we don't want to make it such that we overregulate. Uh, but I think it's a great step in the right direction. We can always adjust, but I'm very much uh, in favor of going ahead and getting it passed.
0: So you sent on the Senate Agriculture Committee, the ranking member, and there's a farm Builder Ride. You had a chance to go to Michigan with uh, Chairwoman Stabenow and other members and listen to constituents from Michigan talk about agriculture policy. What did you hear in Michigan, and what do you think the meeting in Arkansas is going to bring up that maybe they didn't offer in Michigan?
1: Well, I really enjoyed being with Chairwoman Stabenow at Michigan State. That that is a an institution that uh, has done a tremendous job through the years. Uh, the place that we actually had it uses a lot of uh, uh, laminated wood construction, and which is you know it's it's an old thing that is is resurging. I think it shows great opportunity for our foresters uh, going forward, and great uh, opportunity for climate, you know, sequestering a lot of, of uh, carbon. But we heard from, you know, probably 15, 16 witnesses, lots of witnesses, and really, really uh, hearing about uh, kind of what's going on in their lives right now. And there is a lot of uncertainty. Uh, they're concerned about the future. Uh, we heard some about the regulatory atmosphere, and the list goes on and on. So the good news is, I was there, Senator Stabenow was there, most of my staff was there, most of her staff was there also, and they were busy, uh, you know, scribbling notes. So I think we got some good takeaways, to, mm-hmm. you know, as we go forward. Uh, that's really what we hope to do in Arkansas: is, is just let producers talk, and the you know the South, Southern agriculture is, is different. Uh, than than Michigan. And although Michigan is blessed, they've got a lot of water. They can grow, you know, basically anything. But we'll be talking to our producers about, uh, you know, the problems they're having and then, you know, working together.
0: Do you think the Senate Ag Committee's consideration of a new farm bill would have as heavy of an emphasis on climate and climate-smart programs with Senator Bozeman as a chair, as opposed to chairwoman Stabenow, meaning a difference between the Democratic side and the GOP side of rural American policy.
1: Well, I'm very interested in climate too, and I think all of the committee is, every person as I think about them in my mind. I think the difference is I'd rather use the carrot rather than the stick. And so whatever we do, you know, as far as I'm concerned, We'll work towards being voluntary, give incentives, things like that. Our farmers do a great job now. Additional research to give them more tools. The Growing Climate Solutions Act, which is going to give them more toolbox, strictly voluntary, participating in, in a, uh, a non-governmental, a private sector, carbon market if they choose to do so, all of those kind of things. But I think that's the difference is I'm very concerned about uh, trying to hook climate to crop insurance or something, we and we hear talk of of individuals wanting to do that at USDA. So we're not going to do that. You know, we simply and and I'm going. I'm working really hard to visit with everybody I can in agriculture. I think these are the kind of things that we need to stick together on. And if we do that, uh, agriculture is a mighty force. We saw that with what they did with the when they tried to get rid of stepped-up basis in the 1031 land exchange, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they said no. And as a result, the administration had to back off. We can be very, very proud of that. Uh, what I don't want is Washington telling the farmer what to plant, when to plant it, how to plant it, and all of those kind of things. And there are some in Washington that would very much like to do that. And that's really what about Waters of the U.S. is and and programs like that. That's all about controlling land use. So we're going to work really hard to make sure that uh, those things don't happen.
0: I have two polar topics I'll bring up as we come to the conclusion of our conversation. May, by the way, is National Beef Month, which is certainly worthy of celebrating for those who enjoy. But one of the most controversial issues is beef cattle price discovery. Mr. Grassley and Ms. Fisher have come up with a plan, uh, and as I talk to cattlemen, they like everything about it except that word mandatory with regard to levels for auctions. also talk to other cattlemen that feel that if there is not an emphasis on the auction system, that they may be left out of the beef production system in the U.S., What's the way forward here? Is this a farm bill issue, or does it come before the farm bill?
1: No, I think it comes before the farm bill, and uh, my concern there is making sure that what we do actually makes a difference. Uh, the, the The problem is we have uh, you know a very high price at the retail level, as you go and buy a steak, you know, whatever. Uh, and then again, our producers, the people that work so hard, particularly at the cow-calf head, are not able to participate, uh, as much in that, in that price. So, um, what do you do about it? And, uh, Grassy Fisher has, you know, a solution, or what they feel like is a solution. My problem is, is I talk to, uh, the economists, talk to people, people, you know, Randy Block at, at Cattle Facts, people like that, Um uh, there's just no no consensus at all that that's going to make any difference, and so you go down the the uh, the pathway of heavily regulating things, and yet uh, really not making a difference. In fact, most of the economists feel like not only would it be neutral, but in some cases it would actually cost producers money. Okay, so that's that's really where we're at. We had a really good hearing. We're going to have more discussion. Uh, we're we're in the process now of getting uh, USDA's thoughts on that from their economist. But uh, the two things I think that we do agree on totally as an industry, I used to have a bunch of cows as an industry, is uh, we need increased competition uh, at, at the slaughter level. Uh, we also need more transparency. And one thing that, that I would argue in, in talking to uh, our economist on the committee is USDA now is putting out a tremendous amount of information. The problem is nobody understands it. Uh, you know, our economists can can understand it after really, literally sitting down, working through it for several hours. We need a you know we need a, a one pager that makes it such that the average person involved in the industry can can you know extrapolate that you know good good data from that so it can help them make decisions going forward. So those two things I think we agree on. Uh, the other, there's there's wide uh, uh, you know, disagreement within the industry, so we we'll have to work through that.
0: I find it ironical that a law that has water in the title is really more about the land that it regulates than the water itself. The Obama administration wrote a definition of what was covered by the Clean Water Act. The Trump administration wrote another, and the Biden administration now is about to come out with their own rule. As a senator from Arkansas and as the ranking member on the Senate Agriculture Committee, what input can you offer here, and are they listening? Is that administration and and, and agency listening to you and your constituents?
1: Well, I think they need to listen to myself and my constituents, and, and then, again, just Farmers and ranchers, uh, really just the general population throughout the country, uh, I think the Constitution is very clear, navigable waters. Uh, The court has extended that, but not to the point that I think under the Obama uh, administration's interpretation of that, uh, something like 97% of the waters in Arkansas (laughs) were covered. That's hardly navigable waters. So our founders were very careful in making sure, you know, that was all about interstate commerce. Those were the highways of the day. But, uh, you know, they simply don't have the authority to do that. So this is all about land control coming out of Washington. They want it to, to be such that if you've got a drainage ditch on your property that you have to ask them, you know, what you can do with your property, all of those kind of things. Uh, the other problem is that, that simply... You can't get the answer to that question, you know, sometimes for months, years, whatever. So uh, this is a huge issue. It's a huge issue for our farm communities and, and also our developers and, and really everyone. You know, you decide you're going to add on to your house and, and you've got a drainage ditch out back. You've got to get the, the EPA or whoever to come out and, and give you permission uh, so we've got to use some common sense. We've got to use the science before it. And then very importantly, we have to adhere to the Constitution. They don't want to hear that, but but that's the reality. So I think ultimately the courts are going to be on, on our side.
0: Senator Bozeman, I know very few optometrists who have such interest in making sure that people are fed and that farmers have the opportunity uh, to grow and to meet their uh, to meet their potential in the nation. Thank you for your service. Well, and, thank, and thanks for giving us the opportunity to be with us on this edition of Open Mic. Senator, it is Open Mic, and today you have the last word.
1: Well, in regard to that, you know, being an optometrist, being an, uh, uh, an eye doctor, uh, you have the opportunity of helping people. And we're all called to do different things. Right now, I'm in this position, and, you know, I've worked really hard to get there. And. And really enjoy it. We've got a great committee on both sides that are trying to help people. And that's really all what it's about. You know, you get in different periods and, and it's all about uh, doing your best to try and do the right thing and, and serving others. That's, that's the name of the game uh, regardless of the position that we're in.
0: Our thanks to U.S. Senate Agriculture Ranking Member John Bozeman, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Bayer helping meet the challenge of sustainability to help shape possibilities and our vision of health for all, hunger for none. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly.